in the April newsletter, I offered some suggestions as to questions that might be asked during this period of retreat. And it occurred to me that it might be worth giving a couple of talks on those questions. The first question was, what in your life is really essential? What in your life is really essential? We've talked about uh, essential services, essential work. And this is an opportunity to ask, what is really important? Uh, not only important, but absolutely important, absolutely essential. We are celebrating today um, in our various ways uh, the holiday of Easter and of Passover. And in both of those cases, there is the story of liberation. The Christ is liberated from his suffering and also dies for the suffering of mankind. And certainly the Jews are liberated from their slavery to the Egyptians and their persecution. So in some sense, today is a day of celebration of being liberated. And if our practice is about anything, it is about liberation. It is about becoming a completely free human being. In fact, Zen practice is often called the way of liberation. And so, it, though we're not a religion, we are a way. We are a way of living, a way of being, <clears throat> which is ultimately liberating, liberating from all forms of suffering. But that liberation, as in the case of Christ and the Jews, is intimately involved with suffering. They go together, <laughs> liberation and suffering. In this human life, they go together. And so we might say that in some sense, suffering is essential. Even though we can't, <laughs> we can't escape it, it is still essential. It's essential to our way as humans. So one of the ways in which to transmit this teaching, and I've been talking about the virtues of transmission, which has become a kind of dirty word these days, but in our practice, transmission from heart to heart is essential. And so I'd like to speak to you from that place and transmit, to begin by transmitting 
a couple of stories which sometimes are better teachers than conceptual information. And see if you can find uh, a teaching in these stories that has to do with what is essential. The first story I've told a number of times, but it certainly bears repeating. And that is the story of the butterfly. This is a story of a man who is walking through his garden and discovers a cocoon hanging from a branch. And he is fascinated by the movements of that cocoon. It seems as if there's a struggle going on. And he watches it for quite a while and imagines that within this cocoon, a, a caterpillar is making an effort to become a butterfly. And he notices a little hole in the cocoon. And he watches that hole, uh, waiting for the butterfly to emerge. And the struggle keeps going on, the movements of the cocoon. And he, his heart is moved by that struggle that seems to be happening in the cocoon. And so he takes um, his probably Swiss army knife or something so that he has on him that's sharp. And he begins opening that hole in order to help, in order to help that butterfly be released. And sure enough, the, the hole gets bigger and bigger and he continues to open it with his, with his knife. And yes, indeed, a half-formed butterfly does emerge. But the body of that butterfly is swollen and the wings are um, sticky. They, they stick to the body of the, of the butterfly and they can't spread. And this creature, this beautiful creature, falls to the ground and struggles to stay alive and finally dies. So that's story number one. Out of compassion, there is an effort to relieve suffering, and it fails. Story number two. This is called The Bamboo and the Fern. A disciple of a famous Zen master is experiencing a lot of distress in his life, becomes quite depressed, and is wanting to really give up. His life is just uh, unbearable, pain, painful and unbearable in so many ways. And he comes to the Zen master for some guidance, from spiritual guidance. And he says, I'm, I'm just, I'm done 
uh, I want to give up. Um, this life is too much for me to bear. Um, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. And the master, and they're also sitting in a garden, the master's garden. And the master points to two plants in the garden, the bamboo and, the, and a fern. And he said, many years ago, I planted the seeds of a fern and a bamboo. The first year, after taking very good care of these seeds, of watering them, of giving them plenty of light and fertilizer, the fern sprouted and became a lovely plant. But nothing was happening with the bamboo seed. But nonetheless, I continue to water, take care of both of these seeds. Num number two, year, year number two, the fern really grew into a lush plant. Nothing with the bamboo, <laughs> year number two. Year number three, the fern started to spread through the garden, making a very lush carpet of greenery. Year number three, still nothing with the bamboo. Similarly, year number four, the Zen master had continued to water, to feed, and to take care of both plants. Nothing with the bamboo. However, year number five, there was a sprout in the from the bamboo. And within three weeks, the bamboo grew to a height of 100 feet. That's story number two. Sometimes we don't get immediate results. Sometimes we live with prolonged periods of uncertainty and a absence of consequence. But that doesn't mean nothing is happening. That doesn't mean that our roots aren't growing. Story number three. This is a very famous story in Zen <clears throat> about a dozen cows. There are lots of great stories in, in the Zen canon, in the Zen tradition. Buddha and his disciples were having lunch um, along uh, you know, they were peripatetic. They, they traveled. Uh, they didn't, except during the monsoon season, they didn't have a zendo. So they traveled and taught in all the towns in India. And they happened to be uh, settling down by the side of a road having lunch. And as they were having lunch, a farmer came rushing by 
um, in great uh, distress and uh, panic and coming upon this group of monks said, oh my gosh, I've lost my cows. I had a dozen cows and all my cows have run away. Um, have you seen my cows? <laughs> and he said, also, you know, I lost all my sesame plants to insects. You know, my life is a complete mess, but my cows, my, they were so precious. Where, you know, I, I'm looking for them. I don't know where they are. And uh, the Buddha said, well, we haven't seen your cows, but try the other direction and see if you can find them. And the farmer tearing his hair out just took off in the other direction. And Buddha looked at his monks and he said, aren't you glad you don't have any cows? Isn't it wonderful to not have cows or sesame plants. So I, I leave those three stories for your imagination and your interpretation and your um, deliberation. Just let them, let them live with you for a while as they've lived with me. But I want to get to this notion of um, having all these cows and asking what is essential? This is an opportunity to examine your storehouse of cows and not just the things that you can see physically, your possessions, your, um, your things, the things that fill up your life, but also your thoughts. What are, what are the essentials? What do you need to know? We think we need to know a lot, and we're always... We're always learning more. We, in some, sometimes in Zen we say, the scholar learns something new every day. Accumulation. The Zen student unlearns every, something every day. <laughs> so it's like getting rid of this cow, getting rid of this cow, getting rid of this cow. So we don't have to chase after our cows. We don't have to worry about our cows. And so it's an opportunity to ask, what is essential? What, yeah. I just looked in my closet this morning um, at all my clothes, and I, I love to go thrift shopping, and I'm de being deprived of that. Now, because it's not, the thrift shop is not an essential service, it kind of is to me. But um, but I looked at all my clothes and I said, I've been actually wearing the same thing for about a month now. And I say, how much of this? How much of this is essential? Uh, not that I'm going to th throw anything out, 
but it's important to ask what what is what is important and to get at the root of that to be radical about that some of you may have there's a, a great um, fad now in it's called tidying and some some of you may have been exposed to the book uh, on by Marie Kondo on the the <laughs> The wonders of tidying. I don't know what the what the um, exact title is, but it's a big fad. Everybody is tidying these days, and one of the things that she recommends uh, in trying to organize your life and trying to get to what's essential is, you know, she says, pile all your stuff in one category, like all your jewelry or all your shirts or all your books <laughs> and pick each one of them up and hold it in your hand and really look at it and ask does this bring me joy so that's the criterion does this bring me joy and if it doesn't and and you may have to you may have to stay with that for a while because it may not be that might not be your your first reaction so you have to you have to really examine that and if it doesn't then she recommends that you repurpose it uh, that not you don't necessarily throw it out but you bring it to the thrift shop or you. Um, bring it to goodwill or give it to a friend who might find joy in it. And I know some people like at my age um, and I, you know, being much more aware of dying than I was earlier uh, to ask, you know, do I really need this? Might somebody, might I give this away to someone who would really appreciate it? Uh, who, who, with whom it could have a longer life than it might with me. So this is a great opportunity for getting to the root of what is essential for you. And some people do this by fasting, by choosing to fast, and then to bring back into your life the foods that are really nourishing little by little. Well, we've been forced to fast in some sense. We've been forced to, um, to eliminate a lot of stuff that we think we need, but which really, uh, sometimes we make the distinction between needs and greeds. Some of our needs are really greeds, and we can actually let go of them, let go of that cow, which is so precious to us that we think is essential. And this is a form of liberation. We are, we are liberating ourselves from the slavery, from the imprisonment, from the suffering of having to take care 
and having to be responsible of so many things that are really not essential. I want to um, also ask, is our practice essential? Is our Zen practice, our meditation practice, is this way of being essential? And of course, my answer is yes. I notice, however, that for many folks, this practice is sometimes like to say the last the first thing on the list to go <laughs> because it isn't, there's no deadline. We don't get brownie points for it. <laughs> we can't brag about it. In fact, when people ask, you know, what do you do on Sunday? And you say, nothing. I just sit. They find that curious to, you know, to be kind. Um, it, it's not, it, it's not something that, we really seem to need to do. But until we do it, everything else suffers. It, it should be, should be, it could be the first thing on the list, the most essential thing, the most essential thing, because from that, everything flows. Everything in our life flows from our mindfulness, from our attention, from our care, from our presence, from our compassion, from our wisdom. Everything flows from that. Everything in our life benefits from that. So instead of saying, oh, well, I have so many other things to do on my to-do list. Um, I can, I can do without this because that's I'm not being productive. About being productive. So we need to examine that. Uh, how essential is our practice? How essential is it? Um, I've heard a lot about personal protective equipment. <laughs> gloves, masks, gowns. This practice is our personal protective equipment. It's absolutely essential for our lives. Otherwise, we get sick. We get we, we suffer. We suffer. So I want to end with, um, and this is an invitation for all of us to look deeply and to, to do our own criterion for, does this bring me joy? Does this relieve suffering? Does this promote goodwill? and happiness for all beings. So this is a, a quote from Chungam Trungpa Rinpoche, Tibetan master. 
We fall down and down until we touch the ground, until we relate with the basic sanity of the earth. We become the lowest of the low, the smallest of the small, a grain of sand, perfectly simple, no expectation. If you are a grain of sand, the rest of the universe, all the space, all the room is yours because you obstruct nothing. You overcrowd nothing. You possess nothing. There is tremendous openness. You are totally free because you are a grain of sand. Thank you.